Have you checked out the new Brian Nichols Show collection over at Proud Libertarian? Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash shop and you can grab some amazing Liberty swag that will definitely help pique some interest from our good ideas don't require force snapbacks, Alexa overthrow the government t-shirts, question everything mugs, and of course our ever popular don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff bumper sticker. The Brian Nichols Show shop over at Proud Libertarian has all the Liberty swag you need. And hey, if you're looking for more awesome Liberty apparel, check out the rest of the amazing Proud Libertarian store while you're over there. And be sure to use code TBNS at checkout to get 10% off your entire order. That's right, 10% off your entire order from Proud Libertarian, including everything over at the Brian Nichols Show shop. And all you have to use is code TBNS at checkout. One more time, head to BrianNicholsShow.com forward slash shop and check out the brand new Brian Nichols Show store over at Proud Libertarian and use code TBNS at checkout for 10% off your entire order. We can become great at doing the the things that we do well, the things that are, we focus on. Like I'm, I think our audience is great at selling liberty. I think we have yeah. been amazing at doing that. Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. You start to ask questions that piques interest and get him to feel like, okay, this guy's actually got something that maybe can help me out. And then in your asking of questions and trying to uncover the real problems, build that natural trust. I know I went in the monologue there, man. <laughs> Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. And we made it. That's right, folks. Happy Friday. And thank you for joining us here on another fun-filled episode of The Brian Nichols Show. Did you catch our episode back on Wednesday with Corey DeAngelis? If not, well, we were discussing how do we help people buy school choice. But today we are joined by one of the fearless business owners who is fighting the good fight, standing up and fighting back against government restrictions and mandates as it pertains to the the uh, coronavirus lockdowns and restrictions. And thank you to that uh, guest. And that guest today is Eli Klein. Eli is joining the program who is uh, leading the fight from New York City. He is an art gallery dealer and he's saying, hey, I'm sorry, I'm not going to ask my patrons to show me their papers. And that's a little weird and definitely not dystopian, right, folks? Uh, so, hey, how about this? Let's go ahead, dig into the episode, and I want you guys to go ahead and catch exactly how we can enter into a conversation where, yes, we have someone who's not, guess what? They're not a libertarian. And that's okay because Eli sees the problem. And the problem is that government right now has the ability to just, like Thanos, snap its fingers and say, yep, sorry, you have to do this brand new restriction, this brand new regulation. You have to bend over backwards. You're going to cripple your economies because we say so. And there are more and more people out there like Eli who are fighting the good fight, but also who are starting to say, maybe this not only shouldn't be this way, but maybe we can do something different going forward. So a great conversation coming up here on today's episode. So with that being said, onto the show, Eli Klein here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thanks for having me, Brian. Absolutely. Eli, thank you so much for joining the program. Number one. Number two, thank you 
for being one of the fearless business owners who are saying, hey, guess what, government? I don't care if you say I'm not essential. Uh, and they say that you have to do certain things based on the certain requirements and you're fighting back. So let's start off here, Eli. Uh, I want you to take a chance to introduce yourself to the Brian Nichols Show audience. And also, why has your name been in the top of uh, the news lately, more recently on the uh, the corporate media as a, a business owner in New York City? Thanks, Brian. Well, my name is Eli Klein. I uh, I own an art gallery here in Manhattan. Um, it's The name is eponymous. It's Eli Klein Gallery. I've, uh, I've had my gallery for almost 15 years now. I represent primarily living Chinese artists. So my specialty is in Chinese contemporary art. Got um, yeah, I brought your website up here, too, for thank the, you. video. Uh, yeah, video watcher as well. Right. So I'm a born and bred New Yorker. I was raised in uh, Manhattan's Greenwich Village. My gallery now is in the far west village. Um, and uh, look, I, I love New York. I mean, regardless of the situation now or the situation last year, you know, New York's my home and it's not something where I'm, you know, going to leave because I'm not happy of certain policies or of other things. And uh, sometimes people say, well, why don't you just move to Florida or things like that? I mean, look, I'm, you know, my roots are firmly here. My family's here. And uh, when there's a fight worth having, I'm uh, I'm happy to fight. We, we need more people being willing to fight because I don't sure. know about you. It's been a little weird seeing in some cases, some very close friends all of a sudden just be like, yep, this is fine. Do what you're told. And I'm, I'm kind of like time out guys. Like I, what happened to us, you know, doing the scientific method, actually testing things and making sure that things make sense before we move forward. And that, you know, the, the hypothesis can actually stand on its own. And you had a tweet and I liked it. Um, you'd mentioned how, when it comes to looking at the actual science, you're going to be proven right. And I think, we're starting to see a lot of people starting to wake up to the fact, and I hope more and more people will wake up to the fact. That's partly why I'm helping. Uh, there's a docu-series here called Follow the Science on Lockdowns and Liberty, and it's a, a bunch of Hollywood filmmakers who are going under the pseudonym The Sound Mind Creative Group to tell stories of, of folks just like you, Eli, and to, to say, hey, this this hasn't been based on science. So what was the mandates and restrictions that you've been facing right now and, and what's really gotten you to the uh, really leading the national conversation, Eli? Well, I think in the beginning, you know, it was a lot more uh, single minded in that in March 2020 in New York City, um, it was at least, you know, clear to me what was happening in, in very early March. I mean, I knew that we were going to have big problems and, you know, I prepared for those problems and prepared my business for those problems. And, you know, I think it was, we didn't know who was, uh, we didn't know kind of the, who was primarily affected uh, by COVID. And, you know, we didn't know exactly how to assess our own personal risk based on, you know, our health, age and other factors. And it was all new and, and scary. And we went into, a lot of people were dying a day uh, with COVID in New York, um, almost a thousand at one point in 2020. And we went into a very you know, kind of hard lockdown uh, here in uh, in the city. Um, 
starting around March 20th or something of 2020. What, uh, what got to me was that it didn't end when it should have ended. So, you know, we saw the epidemic curve, uh, you know, kind of unstoppably declining and the level of restrictions and lockdown didn't, uh, didn't match where we were with COVID. And, uh, you know, it was, go- it was the summer, which obviously isn't, you know, peak respiratory virus uh, season. And uh, it was pretty obvious to me, uh, based on a number of things, that it was ridiculous for uh, businesses to be forced to keep closed during the summer when there was barely any COVID in New York City in 2020. So, you know, a little bit before that, I was highly disturbed by our reaction and uh, the continued powers that Governor Cuomo kept on exercising on us. It seemed, you know, disproportionate to what was going on. I was disturbed by uh, his exaggeration and lying about the risk of COVID to children and about schools and you know, that he started doing that in early April 2020. And, you know, right away, I knew the consequences it would have on New York's parents and on kids, that they would be scared and, and terrified to death and that it wasn't as dangerous to kids as he was making it sound. And he was completely oblivious, really, to the, you know, long term problems that that's going to cause anywhere. And, you know, I really started uh, being a voice against largely what Cuomo and how he was governing the decisions he was making, what they were based on, the messaging that he was giving. Uh, but he, he turned out I was correct on basically, you know, almost all of my criticisms of him, uh, despite the media uh, amplifying, you know, what he would say as, as though he's some kind of uh, know-it-all. Uh, and in retrospect, of course, you know, uh, the people that disagreed with me then, you know, disagree with him now. And it's kind of like many other of these, many other COVID issues where um, just because mainstream isn't getting it right doesn't mean that those of us with, you know, common sense that listen to a variety of scientists and who aren't thinking apolitically, right? My my kind of self-analysis of this has always been uh, or has always been apolitical. And, you know, I'm a lifelong Democrat, but that doesn't mean that I'm following any kind of party line with respect to how I'm looking at it. And and to be honest, I've been, you know, much more um, thoughtful in, in my opinion. And uh, and what I've, the way I would have handled it is much better than New York ended up handling it. And, and unfortunately, I think that we're in for much of the same uh, restrictions that simply didn't work when the fall and winter respiratory virus uh, hits us again in 2021, which is just an epic disaster that we're going to, uh, you know, for somewhat political reasons and for other, you know, we're just these scientists and politicians are unable to admit they were wrong. They're unable to kind of abolish their priors with respect to how COVID can be managed. And I think we're close to the point where we're going to be implementing the same kind of restrictions that didn't work against a variant of COVID, which was far less transmissible than Delta. So the insinuation 
that restrictions that didn't work then would somehow work on a far more transmissible uh, variant is just uh, a leap of ridiculousness. And uh, I know that it's going to be, you know, all for nothing. And we're just going to be, you know, closing capacity restrictions, mass mandates, and all kinds of other things uh, just to seem like we're doing something, but it's actually not going to lead to better COVID outcomes. So that's why I haven't put my microphone down, Brian. I'm seeing a lot of people, and you mentioned you're a lifelong Democrat, who maybe they kind of bought into this like, hey, the government, it's a bunch of experts. They kind of, I, I, you know what? I have the exact analogy. It's the John Mulaney skit where he's talking about government and, and Trump coming into government. It's this horse in the hospital skit. And he's like, and I thought that government was doing okay because it was held by a bunch of smart people. That's how a lot of people, I think, approached government. And they were just apathetic. You know, my tax dollars went to the government. It got taken care of. And then push came to shove. I think we're seeing a lot of folks realizing that these government experts, I mean, experts in in academia, they're experts in in the textbooks. And when all of a sudden you start to apply, I mean, just like you're a business owner, there are so many factors that are out there that you can't even necessarily prepare for, but you have to adapt and you can't make it perfect. And I don't know about you, but I've seen this more and more approach to saying we need to get to zero COVID. Eli, I think this is this is here for the long term. And the, the quicker and sooner that we start to accept that and more importantly, the, the bureaucratic uh, health uh, politicians and, and, and so forth, that that institution also will need to start to acknowledge it. Otherwise, 2022 and 2024, I think, are going to be a very big wake up call, especially for those of your, your friends, unfortunately, the Democratic Party. Yeah, look, I agree with that. And I've, you know, made it kind of uh, clear my thoughts on this, that, you know, we're looking at a potential red wave in 2022 when uh, when California and New York enter our our winters, uh, resort to the same restrictions that didn't work. And Florida continues to flourish without restrictions um, with kids in school while we're tampering with schools again. And the bottom line is that Florida's, Florida is in line to outperform California and New York in every COVID-related metric. So in uh, age-adjusted death rate, in you know, kids in school, uh, better, you know, much better un- unemployment rates. Um, there's just, it's just bizarre that we weren't able to look at the success that Ron DeSantis had following certain scientific thoughts in Florida and uh, change our plan uh, in in blue states to kind of mimic that success. And now we see people very critical of uh, Florida's current COVID wave, which seems as though it, it's peaked. Um, and it's really going to come around and, and bite us, uh, you know, given what New York and California are in for uh, this winter, there's simply nothing we can do uh, to stop Delta, and uh, it's going to make um, it's going to make our criticisms of uh, Florida's inevitable, uh, you know, summer COVID wave uh, look, you know, very silly. And uh, frankly, I think we're we're almost doing everything we can to to hand Ron DeSantis the a leadership role in. Uh, in the Republican Party and and the potential 
uh, for him to be the next president in 2025. You know, I, I don't I don't see any alternative here when there's going to be so many single issue voters that are just voting uh, because their kids haven't been in school for two plus years and want to make sure that this kind of real tragedy never happens again. I'm hearing it. I've had angry moms. I've had angry business owners. I've had entrepreneurs who watch their entire livelihoods just crushed. And the conversations, I mean, the more you have them, the more your heart breaks because this all could have been avoided. And I think this is something that we need to keep going back to. And again, I, I don't mean to keep on talking about our good friends over at the Sound Mind Creative Group, but why we need to support you know organizations who are making sure that we're setting the narrative straight because the the real impact beyond the the, the health implications, the the long term ramifications of shutting down entire economies, the supply chain disruptions. I mean, look at what they did to cities like New York. To, to Philadelphia, where I'm based, look down the East Coast and then look over to Australia, look to Canada and look at how their governments have reacted. And I think a lot of people are starting to, again, get that kind of sense that something's wrong here and it shouldn't have to be that way, especially when you had those case studies right here in the United States, down in the South in Florida. So let me ask you this, Eli, you, you mentioned again that you were a Democrat and I'm just curious, has this maybe shaken that political identification to maybe have you say there's a lot of stuff that I kind of believed before. And now I'm not so sure based on how you've seen the, the government handle the COVID-19 lockdowns and restrictions. To be honest, it has. I mean, uh, I'm certainly gonna, you know, tremble at the thought of voting for people that have, uh, you know, continued these lockdowns. Uh, well past the point to where we've seen they haven't worked. Um, so, you know, the the data really are in. Uh, we know from all kinds of state-by-state uh, -state comparisons and other comparisons that, uh, that in America, at least, uh, continued prolonged lockdowns aren't leading to better overall COVID outcomes even. Uh, and there certainly have all these other you know, catastrophic collateral damage uh, effects. So uh, it's a huge issue for me. I, you know, I worry about uh, what happens, you know, in, in the next pandemic, what happens in, in a terrible flu season? Um, do they close schools again? Uh, do they implement uh, mask mandates, which, you know, a mask mandate isn't, it's not just a mask. A mask slows down the entire city. People are less uh, happy or willing to go uh, shopping, to go in malls, to do all kinds of theaters, all kinds of other activities if they're forced to cover their face all day, uh, including working in offices. So the thought that, you know, for uh, blue states to be, or blue cities, you know, blue regions to be so quick to, you know, implement a mask mandate, uh, because even if it's only, you know, because it's not, because it's only a mask, uh, is, is really short-sighted thinking in that it's not just a mask. It's not just a mask. It, it affects, you know, all aspects of, uh, of life and of business and of, uh, of mental health. And, um, you know, certainly when people are pushing here in New York to, you know, 
to remask uh, immune people and vaccinated people. It's just bizarre uh, and ridiculous. There has to be some kind of off ramp. There has to be an end game. There has to be a point to which we say, look, we've done everything we can. We're over a year and a half into this. And, uh, and enough is enough. Vaccines have been freely available for everyone over 12 for many months. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a flu level risk for, uh, for children under 12. And, you know, those who have chosen not to vaccinate have made their choices. Um, you know, we can help them. And I certainly have. But at, at some point, we have to just move on and go back to, uh, to living a complete holistic life that looks at every risk and not just the small additional risks that COVID may pose. Speaking of moving on, I think it's also important to look back because I think we're seeing right now, Eli, a lot of people are forgetting what it means to live because we're, like you said, we're over a year and a half now at this point where this has been normal. It's not normal. So how about this? Where was New York City prior to COVID? What has COVID done to New York City? And where do you see New York City going if things continue down this path? Okay, look, those are good questions. And you see conflicting reports on, on how well New York City is doing and, and so on and so forth. I think, you know, New York City is recovering slower than, uh, than the rest of New York. At least that's kind of, you know, where... Our thoughts are um, a problem now is that uh, because of, you know, CDC policy and whatnot, um, a lot of tourists aren't allowed here. Um, a lot of tourists from other states won't come here because their children need to be vaccinated in order to eat at any restaurant uh, and things like that. You know, we've made policies that are essentially um, banning uh, a a ton of tourists, right? And New York is in is a city that you know thrives on tourism. So I think the effect to tourism is is brutal, uh, both from on a federal and and on a, a state uh, and and city level with respect to our rules. But certain areas of New York City have, you know, certainly of Manhattan have churned through this much better than others. So. You know, you have kind of office areas and, and Madison Avenue and Midtown that are really uh, still quite depressed. And the street traffic is, is a shell of what it once was. And the people haven't returned to offices. You know, the, the tourism isn't there. And anybody, you know, although, look, there's so many of us in New York that can make the other areas like Greenwich Village and Soho and Tribeca, you know, really seem popping and terrific. But uh, if you, you know, it, there's a real disparity on what has recovered and what has, uh, what hasn't had as many problems because of COVID. And I think, you know, the jury's still out and, and New York really has to, uh, has to put this behind us. And, you know, the bottom line is that people are in New York are still generally really unable to, uh, to risk manage as well as they should. So, you know, vaccinated people aren't looking at COVID as, uh, as a mild respiratory risk that they've lived with their whole entire lives. Uh, 
there are many vaccinated people, a certain percentage of them are still looking at it uh, as though, you know, it's the plague when they need to be looking at it as though it's a soon to be endemic coronavirus that they're not going to be able to avoid uh, and they're going to have to be, ex- they're going to inevitably be exposed to numerous times uh, throughout their life. That's the unfortunate kind of sad truth that I've come to terms with. And, you know, more New Yorkers really have to come to terms with that because even if we lose, you know, five to 10% uh, of New Yorkers being active because of, you know, coronaphobia or irrational fear of COVID, that's substantial enough to really to hurt our economy, especially when people aren't back to work and, uh, and the tourism just isn't here. And then you have the whole other conversation about the show me your papers, Eli. I mean, <laughs> vaccine passports. Oh. I, I, I'm just astonished that what was considered a conspiracy theory just a short, what, couple of uh, months ago is now active policy in not only New York City, but across the world, many places. Eli, it's it's scary that we are at this place. So how about this? Let's give some hope for New York City. I know that we, we, ha- we have people who are fighting the good fight like you. Um, tell the stories out there. Who else is out there for business owners and so forth who we can look to and raise these names up to say these are the folks in New York who are fighting back? Well, look, you know, to be honest, uh, it, it pains me to say it, but there's not a lot of folks in New York that are at least outwardly speaking up and fighting back. There's just simply not. Um, what it comes down to is, you know, the 5% of businesses that can thrive by making their customers, you know, feel more safe uh, will implement these uh, these vaccine only policies. And then, you know, 95% of New York and certainly every low income area that can't afford to lose uh, 10 to 20% of their business uh, will be unable to implement this. So it really is this kind of uh, awkward vaccine segregation uh, that we're seeing in New York. And, you know, look, I, I think people sometimes don't understand that the purpose of these vaccine verification mandates are, are, are primarily to incentivize vaccinations as opposed to make people uh, actually more safe uh, that are already vaccinated because we're all going to be exposed to COVID at some point anyway. I'll, you know, a lot of people don't realize that. Um, but, you know, when you start uh, depriving people that have been infected uh before with, you know, these people with confirmed prior infections who generally, uh, it turns out are on average more protected than vaccinated people. You know, we're excluding people with, with confirmed prior infections from the ability to, to even obtain, uh, vaccine or immunity credentials that allow them into businesses such as my art gallery. You know, then you've you've walked into the realm of bizarre uh, pseudoscience uh, and something that just isn't even reasonable for uh, common sense minded, uh, smart people like myself to dream of adhering to. So, yeah, I'm adverse to the potential of ever asking anybody to show me their vaccine credentials before they walk in my gallery. 
but I'm certainly not going to uh, start being the arbiter of uh, immunity levels and uh, ban the prior infected who are more protected than I am uh, being kind of a, a fully vaccinated uh, covergent, if you will. It's like the are are we the baddies that that meme that that's what it feels like when you see the people, especially I think it was over in France. You see police actually going around saying, show me your papers, a little dystopian. You can follow Eli on Twitter at the Eli Klein. Where else can folks go ahead and uh, learn more about you, Eli, but also support your gallery and all that's going to be happening down the pike? We're going to go ahead and find more. Thank you, Brian. I mean, if you're certainly if you're in New York, you're you're welcome to visit my gallery. Uh, I won't be asking you for your vaccine credentials on the way in. Um, I'm again in the far west village at 398 West Street. I always have a uh, a, a well thought out, uh, kind of historically important, I like to think, exhibition of contemporary Chinese art at my gallery. Uh, but you're welcome to find me on Twitter at again the Eli Klein. I'm I'm you know very outspoken and active there. Um, you know, I'm happy to have these kind of conversations with people. And look, my goal is just to have a common sense approach to all this. I, I'm not an extremist by any sense of the imagination. But, you know, when something is wrong, uh, it's wrong. And I've decided to speak out and I would urge uh, more New Yorkers to do the same. More New Yorkers, more Americans. How about just anyone who is saying enough's enough? Time to speak up because uh, if you don't, well, nobody else will. So with that being said, thank you for joining us on the episode. Eli Klein, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. You've heard the name Ebels, but now you need to remember My Delta 8. From the same people who brought you Ebels, My Delta 8 is Delta 8 THC, offering a semi-sedative physical sensation without the overwhelming mental simulation of Delta 9 THC, resulting in a smoother, much milder experience. Both Ebels and My Delta 8 offer both best quality product and customer service in the industry, from helping manage chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more. The reviews are in, folks. Both Ebels and My Delta eight are truly game changers as a natural alternative to big pharma drugs and hey yours truly here at the brian nichols show can vouch for the quality of evils and my delta eight having to deal with a herniated disc in my back plus years of sports injuries evils and my delta eight offer relief where generic medicines simply mask the pain and did you know you can get evils and my delta eight delivered right to your door at a special discounted price that's right all members of the brian nichols show audience can use promo code tbns at checkout and boom, discount applied. Again, that's code TBNS at checkout to get the highest quality CBD and Delta 8 THC on the market delivered right to your door. One more time, the code is TBNS at checkout. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Eli Klein. Thank you, Eli, for fighting the good fight. And yes, standing up and saying enough. We're tired of this. And to the point that we were focusing on on the episode, it's not going to stop and things aren't going to get better until more of us stand up and start to speak out. So if you want to share Eli's story, please do so. And when you do, make sure you tag Eli and also please give me a tag at B Nichols Liberty and you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, 
Instagram, and TikTok. Also, you want to go ahead and shoot me an email. Email me, brian at briannicholshow.com. Have you given us a five-star rating and review yet? If not, head to briannicholshow.com forward slash reviews and tell us what value you get from the program. And we have gotten, I think, well over 30 plus in the past month or so. So let's keep it going. Head to briannicholshow.com forward slash reviews and give us your five-star rating and review. By the way, have you gotten your, uh, what is it, free ebook? That's right. Head to briannicholshow.com forward slash Liberty Friends ebook. You can get your four easy steps you can implement now to help sell Liberty to friends and family ebook sent right to your inbox. Plus, you will be uh, getting also in your inbox five days a week, Monday through Friday, my morning sales huddle where I will be having conversations with you. Like this morning, we talked about our conversation we had with Corey DeAngelis back on a Wednesday. Uh, wait, was that today? I forget. Anyways, we have great conversations regardless of what the topic is we're talking about how to bring real life things that i teach my sales team as a director of sales development here in the greater telecommunications industry and cybersecurity world to you the uh the layman in the the politics world but no you're not the layman because you're a member of the o'brien nichols show audience so you guys have been listening to this for a while now by the way Thank you. Shout out. And this is completely off my normal script because I want to thank you guys for helping make this show, according to listennotes.com, one of the top 2% of all two plus million podcasts out there. Actually, it's like 2.6 million podcasts out there. You have helped the Brian Nichols Show audience reach 2% of the top podcasts out there. Thank you. That's you guys. So, uh, thank you. Yeah, round of applause there. Uh, also, by the way, if you guys are interested in, uh, number one, getting, uh, the Brian Nichols Show to grow more, well, how can you do that? How can we get to the illustrious 1% or even, dare I say that, 0.5%? Well, head over to our Patreon or the one-time PayPal donation. Help us grow by helping us here at the Brian Nichols Show by getting us a either one-time PayPal donation or, yes, I said that Patreon. Uh, and by the way, uh, I want to hear a little bit more about you guys and what you're enjoying from the show. Uh, so more about that in a second, but I can hear more directly from you uh, also and reach you more as we uh, spread the, the message of the show by having more financial means to help the show grow. So uh, 5, 10, 15, 20, 50, 100, whatever it is that you can help us here at the Brian Nichols Show, I would greatly appreciate it. Make that one-time PayPal donation. Or if you want to become a 5 10 25 or $50 monthly uh, supporter of the program, head to patreon.com, and it'll show you all the goodies you can get. And of course, you guys, oh, where'd it go? There it is. You guys are familiar with the, the don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff bumper sticker. Yeah, you'll get this if you sign up for the Patreon, but also... You have a chance to get this if you're just an average listener of the program. How if you go to the show notes, you will see there's going to be a link. And that link will bring you to a Survey Monkey survey where I'm going to ask you, members of the audience, what value do you get from the program? Are you enjoying the show? And and I want to hear your honest, thoughtful responses. So please head over to uh, the, the show notes, click the link to take the survey. And at the end, it's going to ask for your email address. I will be picking five, five of you amazing listeners and if you are picked, you will get one of these awesome don't hurt people, don't take people stuff bumper stickers sent right to your doorstep. So if you want to, number one, help us here at the Brian Nichols Show, make sure we're giving you content that you'd like to hear. But also, what do you want to get? Where are you struggling some? Where can we help you? BrianNicholsShow.com. Also head over to the show notes and uh, go ahead. 
Tell us what your thoughts are and, of course, get uh, the chance to win this awesome Don't Hurt People and Don't Take People stuff bumper sticker. Also, one final ask. You want to help our, our sponsors out? I appreciate it. And guess what? So do they. So head to briannicholasshow.com forward slash sponsors as well as our amazing shop there over at Proud Libertarian. Use code TBNS at checkout for 10% off. Or if you use our links right there on the sponsors page, 10% instantly applied at checkout just from the very nature of using the links. So that's all I have for you today. And guess what? Coming up on Sunday, I got one for you. Or rather, you guys got one for me. We have a candidate. That's right. We have a candidate. On our Sunday Candidate Highlight Series, Kyle Sethic is joining the program. He is running for governor of Maryland. And, oh, he is running unaffiliated because I think he's done with the political games. We're going to learn a little bit more, so make sure you've hit that subscribe button so you're not missing our phenomenal episode. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Eli Klein. We'll see you Sunday. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Get ready to start your new morning ritual with our new sponsor, Mudwater. Coffee is one of America's favorite beverages, with more and more people starting their coffee habits every day with a cup of that flavorful anxiety juice. But let's be real. Have you ever heard anyone say, I'm working on getting more coffee into my life? Millions of people complain about the jitters that come from coffee consumption. Our morning coffee rituals can be habit-forming and, for some people, can make getting a good night's sleep almost impossible. And while nearly all of us like the smell, taste, and ritual of our morning coffee, why not explore eliminating the negative aspects of our morning brew? Well, what if your coffee replacement helped induce alertness, not dependency, improve mental capacity and function, improve physical stamina and performance, improve immunity and overall health? Oh, and by the way, it tastes good enough to drink every single day. Meet Mudwater. Mudwater is your fastest growing coffee alternative in the market, consisting of organic ingredients lauded by cultures both old and young for their health and performance benefits. With one-seventh the caffeine of coffee, Mud gives you the natural energy and focus you expect from coffee, but without the jitters and crash. With an organic blend of mushrooms and ingredients like cacao, marsala, chai, turmeric, lion's mane, and more, Mudwater offers a beverage like no other. Whether you want to enjoy it hot, cold, as a latte, or however you take your coffee in the morning, Mudwater is the zero sugar, zero crash, zero jitter alternative, sure to leave you feeling recharged and refocused. Listen, I'm really excited to have Mudwater as a sponsor here on The Brian Nichols Show because I've been able to see the Mudwater difference for myself, and you can too, so click the link in the show notes to get some mud, support the show, and get your new morning ritual started right with Mudwater. And now, onto the show. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to William at dbpodaudio.com.